Hello everybody, Rainy jumping in here before the episode goes live to say thank you so much for the initial support that you've all given me in these first few weeks of this podcast going live. It means a ton. I am blown away by the initial response and I've gotten some really great feedback from people about things that I can do to make this even better. So just wanted to come out right in the forefront and say thank you. And without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome to episode three of Ironsworn Sundered Isles. This is Rainy, as always, doing a little solo RPG adventure, what I've been calling playing with myself on the internet. And this is a little campaign I am playtesting before Ironsworn Sundered Isles goes to crowdfunding sometime, I believe, in February of 2024. And in my notes, I've been calling this little campaign Resistance in the Reaches. Super brief recap, our main character, Dine Aloma, is a young sorcerer merchant from the Isle of Isto Mavana, an island in the reaches of the oceans here of this world, which basically means it is far removed from the more colonized and densely populated regions of the sea. Now, normally at this point in his life, and due to his sorcerous inclination, Dine normally would have taken his mystic trials at this point. They have a floating island not far from their home island where those with the sorceress abilities go to test themselves and come out basically proven. Now, Dine has not been able to do that because for as long as anyone can remember, there has been a war raging throughout the world. Although recently, a victor has been declared in the Kairodi Dominion. The Isle of Istomavana and the Reaches out here really have not been part of the war, but they have dealt with some of the worst effects of it, specifically the Cataclysm. In our character and campaign creation episode, we determined that the war that has been going on for as long as anyone can remember is responsible for whatever caused these continents to explode and erupt and these sky islands to emerge from the sea and become locked in the air. Now that the Dominion is here, Dine can definitely not go on his mystic trials, and he'd been acting as a merchant with his friends Laulo and Ephraim, his crew. Laulo is a teenage tomboy girl who is a very clever navigator, and Ephraim is a large, muscular young man who hails from the Eldarian Resistance, one of the bigger opponents to the Kairodi Dominion during the war. But unfortunately, they had been broken and kind of had to disperse throughout the islands, and there's a small faction of them still holding out here. And between the Eldarian Resistance, the folks of Istomavana, and the Morian, a local culture who issues any kind of firearms and warships. They fight by skirmishing in these kind of windsurfing swarms. The island of Istomavana is not going to take kindly to the Dominion coming to lay claim to their land. So we have started a resistance. In our first episode, we raided one of the Dominion warships, one of the three galleys that patrols the waters and basically surrounds the island. And we procured some medicine for the Eldarian resistance who on these islands far from their native homelands have come down with some illnesses but luckily we were able to cure them 
and get them more healthy to help with the resistance. And then last episode, we decided we needed to find a new home for our resistance headquarters. So the three different factions of the resistance, the locals of Istomavana, aka Dine's crew, the Morian and the Eldarian resistance each took separate sectors of the ocean nearby to look at nearby islands for potential headquarters. Unfortunately for us, during our expedition, we encountered a puppet vine which stabbed Ephraim while we were dispatching it, and one of the side effects of the puppet vine is that it basically plants seeds in its victims that spread and sprout and flower, and then all of a sudden that infected person becomes a host and it spreads even further. As we finished our perimeter search of the island, our expedition, we attempted to make a progress move and finish our expedition, but unfortunately we rolled a miss with a match, which meant only one thing, that as we arrived at our boat and were planning to leave the island to return home, Ephraim is scratching at his wound and we see tendrils and vines begin to emerge from the wound in his arm. Now, I've been thinking a lot about what do I do now, you know, and I just want to take a minute before we jump into the actual fiction and say, when you're playing a solo game like this, it can be really difficult sometimes to think of the next logical thing that would happen. Obviously, we could do it blow by blow and say, we get in the boat and we check our gear and we're doing all these things, but none of our characters are really medically minded. And... That would be rolling to see if things happen, but at the same time, there's no problem with doing what I think I'm going to do now and doing a time jump. Mostly so I can better set a scene where I can move forward the larger story and deal with some other interesting things that I have in mind. As the cool bleak mists and interesting intro of our theater of the mind television show fade away, the camera pans to Dine pacing frantically in his grandmother's kitchen. Lalo is sitting at the table and we can hear her foot tapping underneath and she looks up and says, will you stop doing that? It only makes me more nervous. And Dine says, he's been in there for hours. Don't you think we would have heard something by now? Dine's grandmother is busying herself in the kitchen, preparing food and kind of tending to her plants. And she looks at Dine and says, I agree with Lalo. You should stop. It's better to be busy than beat yourself up. Plus, you know Kimora and Finn have been looking for you, right? They're waiting for your report. Dine and Lalo exchange looks, and Dine has clearly been putting off meeting with the leaders of the other resistance groups. As a reminder, Kimora is the leader of the Morian. She is a powerful woman who leads this group of skirmishers who do their wind sailing and basically they have like a swarm ship where they can jump out and attack from both air and sea. She is actually the one who gave Dine, Laolo, and Ephraim the venture, their ship, in the first place. So that was the connection we made is that we kind of owed them when they decided we're not going to take it, you're in on this, or give the boat back. And Finn is the leader of the Eldarian Resistance. They are foreigners to these shores, but they are, at this point, allies in the war against the Dominion. 
So Dine and Laolo exchange a look, and Laolo just nods and says, We're gonna have to do it at some point. And Dine says, Yeah, okay, let's go. And at this point, despite having met and set up this whole resistance in the first job, at least in Grandma's kitchen, I think that for the safety of the people of this island, we've kind of relocated our meeting spots. So we cut to a grove in the nearby jungles of the Isle of Istomavana, where there is a meeting between the leaders of the resistance, of whom apparently Dine is a member. So as they arrive, and obviously Tamron on Dine's shoulder or walking alongside him, Tamron being our golden lion Tamron monkey companion, slightly larger than the real world equivalent, Kimura looks at them and says, We heard what happened, but we can't waste any more time. The Dominion is tightening its grip on this village. Between trade goods, resources, and just their general patrols, we need to move out of here before something gets really bad. Tell us, what did you find on Gamadar? Dine and Laolo recount their tale of the expedition on the Isle of Gamadar. Half ripped from the ocean, they are basically two halves of one island. There is a sky isle not far from the isle that was explored by our crew, and we discuss having found a strange magical property in one of the areas where the island was torn from and discovered that it was some kind of like sky iron, a particularly reactive type of iron in the Iron Sworn world that may have to do with the magic that Dine is in kind of attunement with, and also tell the story about the puppet vine that unfortunately has left Ephraim in a healer's house for some time now probably the better part of a day. Now, I think we should probably roll. We'll ask the Oracle a simple question here of, did either Kimora and the Morian or Finn and the Eldarian Resistance, did they find an island that's suitable for headquarters? I think it's probably 50-50. There's not many islands out here in the reaches, but I would say, you know, it was 50-50 if ours was going to be suitable and I would give them the same odds. So let's go ahead and just roll a D100 on a 50-50 roll. If it is less than 50, the answer is yes, they did. If it is greater than 50, they did not. 88, they did not. And that kind of tracks with what I've been thinking. I think that out here in the reaches, especially this section where we are so close to islands like Gamadar that were literally torn in half, if not fully removed from the sea, and they became Sky Isles that kind of float and are now surrounded and more prone to being swallowed by bleak mists and storms and things like that. I think that they also ran into some kind of struggles on their own. You can see the frustration on both of their faces. Now we have a connection with Kimura, and I think that we told her how we did a perimeter sweep of the island, but we didn't really do much of the interior because of Ephraim's injury, and I think that the frustration comes out and she lashes out at us. And I kind of want to test the relationship. So it says here, when your relationship with a connection is tested through conflict, betrayal, or circumstance, I think circumstance kind of fits here. We are all on edge. There is a clearly 
superior military force uh, coming down on the island here, and we are doing our best to just stay independent and true to ourselves and our cultures. So it's just tensions are high, tempers are flaring. I'm going to go ahead and roll. Now, when you do this, you roll plus heart, which Dine has a plus two in, and we do not share a bond with Kimura, but let's go ahead and see how we do. A five plus two on the action die for a seven versus a seven and a two on the action die for a weak hit. So on a weak hit, develop your relationship, but also envision a demand or complication as a fallout of this test. And I think that the demand is that last time we did not determine how we were going to fulfill our vow. When we rolled a miss with a match on that, we did not make the decision on whether or not we were going to forsake the vow or we were going to recommit to the quest. But by doing so, we would have had to roll 2d10, roll challenge dice again, and remove the amount of progress equal to the lowest of those 2d10, and then up the rank of the adventure and go back. And I think that's how we're going to do it. I think that Kimura says, your island sounds the most promising. There seems to be incredible potential on that island. And yes, I understand there are dangers, but we need to go back there and we need to find out if this is a place where we can run a resistance headquarters out of. So we are going to roll our challenge dice, reduce the amount of progress we made on Gamadar. Bye, let's find out. Oof, four was our lower of the two and we only had five progress. And so we are down to one progress on Explore Gamadar and we raise the rank from formidable to extreme. So now this is a very different expedition. And I think that by raising it to extreme, I think that it's probably, it's likely going to involve not only using this half of Gamadar, but probably also the Sky Island half of it. And we're going to have to explore both. And I'm very excited for that. And as much as it's a bummer, to set this track at extreme and erase it and go down to one full box ticked because we're gonna be making much slower progress on this. I am actually kind of excited because I was gonna be a little bummed if we just had to leave that potential thread for Dine's magic mystic sorceress journey hanging there and now it become a sort of when do we get back there or how do we bring that back into the fold kind of thing. Oh, let's not forget we develop our relationship. So we get two more boxes on the Kimura connection track because she is dangerous. And I think that we spend the rest of this time basically going over the maps of the islands that we each went to and a new plan is drawn up to return to Gamadar in the near future. Finn looks at Laolo and Dine. He puts his hand on Dine's shoulder and says, Don't blame yourself. Ephraim's my little cousin, and he's been pig-headed like this as long as I've known him. He's going to be tough. He's going to stand up for himself and his friends, and he's going to fight. I'm really glad he found you two, and I think as soon as he can, he'll be ready to get back on that ship with you two. Why don't you go check on him and get some rest? And when we return to the village and we see 
Grandma has made up a beautiful looking meal that Dine and Lalo sit down to eat, and she says, Uh uh, not yet. I heard your friend has woken up. Go check on him first and tell him he can come and have a bowl himself. And so Dine and Lalo run over to find out how Ephraim is doing. Now, this is tough because I'm not really sure how to handle this one from a mechanics standpoint. I mean, I think. To keep it simple, I'm going to roll. Just ask the Oracle, is Ephraim going to be okay? And I think it is 50-50. Whether or not he's going to be a serviceable sailor again. Let's find out. A 28 is a yes. Now, I've had multiple people, when they found out that the puppet vine was the creature that we were fighting, and they listened to the episode, and I've had multiple people comment some form of like, oh, you should make that some kind of little plant ally or something. And I think that that is extremely unlikely. I'm going to say small chance there was any kind of extraction and keeping this thing alive. But just for the sake of fun, if I roll a 10 or less on this D100, they do manage to pull out and keep this sample of a puppet vine alive. Let's see. 10 or less. No, not a chance. 43. So they manage to get it out of Ephraim and they are treating him for it. Oh, I kind of want to ask one more question. And this is strictly because we're playing an Age of Sail game. Did they have to amputate his arm? So he's going to have some kind of cool, piratey prosthetic. I'm going to give this also 50-50. Maybe even likely. Because of the nature of the infection. 75 or less, they needed to cut off Ephraim's forearm. And he's going to have a cool prosthetic. Ooh, 69. You know what that means? He has a really cool prosthetic. Get your mind out of the gutter. All right, so despite that silliness, as soon as Dine and Laulo run into the room to see Ephraim laying on the bed, they rush in and they see their friend who gives them a weak smile, and then they see the stump of an arm below his elbow. And the tone gets serious. But then I think Ephraim looks up and goes, oh, this? Eh, it'll be all right. I've already got some ideas for fun stuff to build. And it kind of diffuses the tension, but they could tell, you know, it's obviously not something to laugh about. And in this moment of seriousness and going from being a small crew on a ship that was basically just running errands and supply runs to keep their remote island fed and equipped with what they need during hard times. Things are a lot more serious now. And I think that Dine, Laulo, and Ephraim all look at one another. And Dine says, you're my two best friends. And I love being a crew with you both. But I totally understand if this has gotten a little out of hand. I know I'm going to fight. I know I have things that I need to do, and I will not be able to do them as long as long as the Dominion is out there telling us what life is going to be like now. And I think you all feel the same, but I need to know. And I totally understand if you're out. And Lalo snorts and says, are you kidding me? Not a chance. And Ephraim looks and says, you think this is going to stop me? And I think that I'm going to make a connection with Laulo and Ephraim together, and basically call it the crew. 
we are going to highlight and give focus to an existing relationship. We are going to roll plus heart. We get a 2 plus 2 for 4 on our action die, and a 2 and a 9 on the challenge dice for a weak hit. We create a connection, but it comes with a complication or cost. Envision what they reveal or demand. Hmm. Well, I have one idea, and I'm not super crazy about it, so I'm going to roll on some of the oracles. I'm going to roll on action focus. I think that's a good combo for what do they demand, or what is the complication of this connection. 19 is challenge, and a 3 is animal. Huh. Challenge animal? (laughs) Well. My first thought is just comedic, which is them saying, if we're going to do this and we're going to take this seriously, Dine, you need to be our captain. Sorry, Tam. No more Captain Tam. And the three of them laugh and Dine looks at his monkey, who makes a surprisingly appropriate pout face at the attention. And Dine looks at them and laughs and says, if we're going to do this, I'll be captain, but We all have equal say in everything. And the three of them put their hands in the middle and forge a connection. Now, I did this mostly to get one of these assets that are called deeds. And it says here, once you make a connection and accept them as a crewmate, you gain a specialist. Now, I have Laulo and Ephraim. I'm treating them basically as one because I'm not playing this where I have a large ship full of many crew members and people of a lot of different skill sets. So I'm just going to say that basically this allows me to sort of retcon the Ephraim taking the brunt of the hit from that miss with a match on our finishing expedition. Because if I were to have had this, it says here... It's tracked as a connection and provides benefits to you and your allies per their role when you withstand damage and score a miss or pay the price. Now, that's not exactly how it happened, but it does say you can suffer the cost by noting the specialist as out of action. So for the last little bit, Ephraim has been out of action and probably will be for this next adventure that we're going to go on. It says an out-of-action specialist provides no benefit to restore the specialist to duty, resolve the situation as appropriate. So he's just going to need time to recover. But this gives me the deed cohort. And it kind of just gives me an out for when I fail a roll, typically dealing with damage. As far as what their specialty is, I'm just going to say Laulo's is navigation and Ephraim's is muscle. Sure. Until further notice. So we've made a connection and we do have to give this a name and a rank. We're going to call it crew and the rank we're going to give it is I'm going to set this one at troublesome, mostly because we are friends. There's not a lot of potential like big blow up fallout from this relationship. And I think that it will develop and become more developed more quickly. So yeah, that feels good. And I like that it's almost kind of very lighthearted, beginning of a grand adventure kind of funny that the complication or demand that they made when taking this to the next level was to say, okay, well, the monkey can't be our captain anymore. That feels very like beginning of Kingdom Hearts. 
Final Fantasy funny, and then you play this game that's heart-wrenching. That's the goal here, right? So the question is, what comes next? We did decide that the Resistance is going to have to return to Gamadar. And I think that even though it is only maybe a day or two later, Ephraim is determined to join. He may not be boots on the ground super ready to help as far as this specialist role that he now holds from this cohort asset goes, but I think that time is of the essence and everyone here knows it. We have somebody in the town working on some kind of prosthetic or attachment or tool or something for him, but in the meantime, he's going to have to make do. And let's go ahead and since we are taking a couple days, let's go ahead and roll to Sojourn and see what we can get because we do have a little bit of damage to our health, spirit, and supply tracks right now. So if we're going to spend a day or two here, let's see what happens. That is a 5 plus 2 for a 7 versus a 7 and a 1 on the challenge dice. So we get a weak hit. So it says, time is short or resources are strained. Yeah, time is of the essence. So we can only make one recover move instead of two. So we're going to have to choose between health or spirit. Our health is the worst off at three out of five. Our spirit is at four. You don't have to roll when you sojourn. It just says, assume a strong hit. So on a strong hit, the care is helpful. So we regain the lost health on our track. But because it was a weak hit, time is of the essence. That's kind of why we don't have the time to really just laze around. And I think that Kaimura and Finn both pressure the crew into bringing them to Gamadar. And I think that there's a conversation where they say that their crews will take the island this time, given what we went through. We've given them a map of our expedition and explained what we found. And I think they're going to ask us to explore the sky half of Gamadar. Because we got to get up in the air, right? I said this is an age of sail. This whole time we've been talking about flying ships, and other than a few cutscenes, we haven't had any. So let's go ahead and fly that route and see what we find on the skyward portion of Gamadar. Now, this is going to be another Undertake an Expedition, and we are going to be marking progress on our now extreme rank for Explore Gamadar, that vow, that quest that we are on. But to start it all off, to kick it all off, we are going to start with weather conditions, because why not? Uh, there's a table for it. Let's roll for it. And we are in the reaches, so it's pretty much 50-50 if we're dealing with fair weather or foul weather. And if it's foul weather, we can get cursed weather again. And we're going to test it because that's an 87, meaning we're setting out in foul weather. Maybe the foul weather is why people are in a foul mood and it's, okay, we got to go. We got to go. Uh, the foul weather on top of the oppressive presence of the Dominion soldiers in the village on this island just has everybody on edge. So let's get out. It's not so foul that we can't sail away, but maybe it becomes worse as we approach the island. So let's go ahead and see. In foul weather, we have to roll that third d10, which is the cursed die. If that comes up a 10, we have cursed weather. Not cursed this time. A 47 says foggy weather. 
light winds, dense fog. So yeah, we sail out. Maybe we use the fog as cover to escape notice of the Dominion. But as we're going further and further out away from Istomavana, it's becoming harder to navigate to get here. But we've been here, so we are not yet at Undertaken Expedition. We are at Set a Course. When you travel a known route through perilous seas, roll plus supply. Now we're going to do this with our ship's supply, which is still at five, and we're going to see what happens. A one and a four on the challenge dice for a strong hit. You reach your destination and the situation there favors you. Take plus one momentum. So we get there and we use the fog to our advantage, cutting through, totally escaping notice of the Cairodi Dominion, despite being at least three ships moving in these waters towards a nearby island. And the situation favors us because maybe it just reinvigorates or maybe it boosts their morale as they arrive here and they see the promising island that may become the new headquarters for our resistance. But that is not where we stop. Nope. We must now take to the skies. So initially we set a course to return to the island of Gamadar, but now we are going to the unexplored sky half of this island. I think that we are going to pick back up in the previous quest of explore or survey Gamadar, except this time we're going about it up one rank in extreme, and this represents the sky island. So we have one box of progress already filled, but we are about to engage our... We talked about how the islands and pretty much everywhere in the world has found a way to harness the power of wind, and wind binders are very important and powerful members of crews, but I don't think that Laulo or Ephraim are a wind binder, so we just have a limited resource in the form of some kind of battery that will allow us to take our ship, the Venture. Luckily, it is a light craft. I think that we might have a little more time or maneuverability with it than other ships, larger ships do. We can get further on less of this power, and we're going to engage it, and our ship kind of transforms a little bit. The two sails of our small sloop tilt up a little bit, and something in the rudder that Laulo is always controlling, our navigator, tends to engage, and all of a sudden it lifts from the ocean waves and begins flying towards the nearby Sky Island. So we are going to undertake an expedition yet again in this episode, and we'll see what awaits us on this Sky Island version. We will kick it off by the first segment of this is definitely going to be remaining vigilant because it's one thing to explore the island that we've already been to, but arriving at this Sky Island, we're not sure what awaits us up here. The exploration of the Sky Islands might be a little more commonplace out here in the reaches, especially with a culture like Dines that sends their sorcerers and mystically inclined folks for their trials. And so maybe there's resources that are up here and whatnot, but I don't think we're moving at speed and we're not trying to keep a low profile. We're just trying to keep our wits about us. So we are rolling with wits, which unfortunately for Dine is one of our low stats. So here goes. A five plus one on the die is a six. 
against a 6 and a 5 on the challenge dice. Almost had a strong hit with a match, but it is a weak hit. So it says, we reach a waypoint, but the progress costs you. We either suffer costs en route or face a peril at the waypoint. And I'm going to roll. I'm going to ask the Oracle. There is a peril at the waypoint. Do we think that there is a chance that the Sinosher Society has already set up some kind of scientific research station or similar kind of monitoring outpost on this sky island. I would say it's likely. So 75 or less, we're going to deal with some Sinosha Society researchers from the Dominion. A 71, almost not a yes, but yes, they have set up some form of station here. And I think because it was just barely a yes, I don't think they're here. I think maybe we arrive and realize that we will not be alone and there is monitoring equipment and there's a whole lot of stuff here so this immediately spells unlikely to be a good spot for a headquarters but we need to do our homework we need to survey the rest of this sky island and figure out just how dangerous it may be to even be in these waters if there are eyes in the skies up here so we have an idea of what's here when we arrive but per the undertaken expedition move we do reach a waypoint so let's go ahead and roll on the explore a waypoint move and see what happens a five plus one for a six versus an eight and a one on the challenge dice for another weak hit which says you uncover something interesting but it's bound up in a peril or reveals an ominous aspect of this place envision what you encounter and then take plus one momentum okay so the peril in the first place was the presence of the Sinosha Society. Luckily, not immediately here. However, an ominous aspect of this place could be an indication of the research that they're doing on these Sky Islands. We know that these Sky Isles are the result of the cataclysms of this war that's been raging for centuries, and they haven't really been able to research them entirely they may have been stripping some of them for resources or what have you, but out here they have not really been the source of much attention outside of the local customs and cultures. So when we arrive, I think that the Sinosha Society is basically, I don't want to say mining this sky iron, but I think that they're experimenting on it. And it makes this skyward portion of Gamadar very unstable. They've maybe left something here Oh, maybe so much of the world is using wind power, right? As a natural resource that powers a lot of the regular technology and things like that. Maybe part of what made the Cairoti Dominion so powerful and able to win this war after hundreds of years is that they've found a use for this almost like an iron isotope that gave them some alternative source of power that turned the tides, turned the tables, and gave them favor in the war. And now we're seeing it firsthand. Basically, they are destroying and degrading the natural resources of this ecosystem for personal gain and basically just transformation into an energy source. Oh, I would turn this colonialist theme of this game into environmental destruction and, uh, ecosystem tampering. That's definitely my style. <laughs> but okay, we have some interesting new developments here, and let's see what else we find on the Sky Island. 
I'm not sure if the Sinosure researchers are kind of jumping from island to island to monitor their research stations, or if they are here and we just haven't run into them yet. So let's continue looking. We're going to move into our second segment of the expedition, and we have still yet to make any progress in it, really. And now we are definitely changing how we are approaching this expedition. This segment is not going to be staying vigilant. This is keeping a low profile. We do not want to just be seen brazenly walking around on this sky island if there are people who can turn it back on us and identify us. So this time we're rolling plus shadow, which is better for us. It is not our best stat, but it is plus two instead of plus one. A two plus two for a four versus a four and a one on the challenge dice for another weak hit. Now, I kind of want to back this up. So another weak hit means that we are going to be able to mark progress and reach a waypoint. But I think what I want to do is back this up and say that our previous undertaken expedition was approaching the island in the first place and where we were going to land the venture and dock it somewhere on this sky island we saw the remnants of the camp and it made us nervous so we found peril at that site but we also had to change where we were then going to dock it so we pulled it around to a new site keeping a low profile and now when we do this we are going to not face peril where we now land, but we're going to take a few suffer moves. And I think this makes sense. I think that there's really no safe place to land the venture that isn't at this clearly advantageous landing site that the Sinosha Society has currently claimed. So we're going to do two suffer moves. And I just, you know, I want to keep showing off the options you have in this game. And you can always think about how to use any one of them, really. I think all of a sudden it is a stressful situation even more so than we thought before, because there may be people here. So I'm going to take minus one to my spirit. And I think the other one I'm going to do is withstand damage when your vehicle faces a damaging situation or environment. And I think that this is going to be us having to bring her in and land her somewhere not ideal. And with Ephraim currently still learning how to do what he normally does, but with one less forearm, he is not as quick with the rigging and everything he needs to do, and his strength is just not fully there, that we come down and we're going to have to take some damage, which is, we can either just take it and take minus one, basically our small sloop of the venture, which only has three integrity to start with, because I chose it to be small and fast, that would take a third of our hit points away, or we can choose to resist the damage and say that the crew is all pulling together to do this. And we can roll plus integrity, so that'd be plus three. And I think that I can use the connection of the cohort and Laulo's expert navigation to get an additional plus one on this if they're helping. So let's go ahead and roll plus four to try and withstand this damage, but it's going to highlight Ephraim's struggles at the moment. A five plus integrity for a nine against a three and a four on the challenge dice is a strong hit. So on a strong hit, choose one damage control. If your vehicle is not battered, it can get plus one integrity, which we don't need, but we're going to hold fast and take plus one momentum. So that's going to help us in our expedition. It wasn't a sweet, easy landing, but we managed it regardless. And I think that the three members of the venture crew look at one another. Oh, excuse me, four members. 
Tamron as well. They knew this wasn't going to be easy, but there's no going back now. So let's consult the Oracle and find out a little bit about where we've landed and what the sky portion of the Isle of Gamadar is comprised of environmentally. There are some great tables, and obviously, you know, a lot of the Sundered Isles setting is going to be naval travel and island exploration. So these overland tables are still going to have some things that are going to be really, really great in more maritime adventures and stories, but I think they work just as well for the types of sky islands that we're creating here. So we're going to just start with a simple overland regions and see what is the area like where we landed on this island. And we got a 31, which is jungle. And I think that makes a lot of sense, right? We're in this foggy section of the ocean on a sky island, slightly removed from its seaward partner. And up here, you know, you're dealing with clouds. There's lots of rain out here. It, we've talked about how the other islands around here are lush and jungle-like, so it makes sense that we are in a dense tropical rainforest. And we can even roll further. So let's go ahead and roll one more time. In the jungle, what are we looking at? Almost the exact same roll, a 37. So it is a glade filled with vibrant butterflies. Interesting. And maybe that's why the landing was so hard, was because we had to land in this glade, and it is a tight squeeze for the venture to land in here. All right, so we've landed in a glade, which actually makes it easy for us to hide the ship, but probably is going to be very difficult to get out of here. Going to be some tough launching for Laulo and Ephraim and Dine when we're getting out of here, but we are at least in an area that's a little secluded and can start the overland portion of this expedition a little bit more cautiously and stealthily. So. Most of this so far has just been getting up here to this sky island, but now the investigation and exploration of this sky isle begins in earnest, and we are going to continue exploring. We are going to name a new segment of the expedition now that we are on this overland portion of the expedition, and we are going to move, keeping a low profile, I think, is the plan here. So we're going to be rolling plus shadow, so plus two. Here goes... Oh no, a 1 on the action die, plus 2 for a 3, but luckily we got a 1 and a 7 on the challenge dice for at least a weak hit, which has been every result so far. And that means that we do mark progress, we do reach a waypoint, but we suffer costs on route or face a peril at the waypoint. And again, I like rolling on these tables. So there are overland waypoints as a table, so let's go ahead and roll a D100, and they're actually, this is great too, when you're doing overland expeditions in Sundered Isles, depending on whether or not you're in the myriads, the margins, or the reaches, where we are, the most remote sections of the seas, uh, the table is weighed differently. I would love to listen to a campaign, I can't wait till more people are putting these out, uh, in the myriads, right? Like a really tightly contested, almost urban, you know, pirate den, and tight island conflicts and things like that. That sounds really awesome. But I'm out here doing stuff in the jungles. So let's roll that D100 and see what our overland waypoint could be. Ooh, perfect. A 70 says a relic of the past. And unfortunately, it is one of the only ones in here that has not gotten its subsequent 
Oracle table to roll on. Most of these other ones will have gotten it, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just combo a few other things. I'm going to combo overland details and a descriptor focus to describe what this relic of the past might be coming from or what it might relate to. So for our overland details, we get a nine, which says, oh, you've crossed paths with a lone traveler leading a heavily burdened pack animal. And this is clearly no traveler. Oh, there is no way this is not a member of the Sinosha Society. Shoot, sugar. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and roll that descriptor focus real quick and see what it is they are investigating here. Oh, gosh. 39 is exposed. Perfect. 98. Weapon. Holy. Oh, no. <laughs> what is that? Okay. We come across a lone researcher from the Sinosha Society with a heavily burdened pack animal on this sky island, looking at a relic from the past, which Descriptor Focus says is an exposed weapon. Oh, pause for thinking. So, my immediate thought is, obviously this is a member of the Sinosha Society, and I don't think this is a traditional, conventional weapon. I think that it's not like there's like a sword sticking out here. Ooh, maybe. You know what? Let's roll for it. I think, I think it's unlikely this is just a sword. But you know, let's call it 50-50. 50 or below is going to be just a conventional weapon, and anything 51 or higher is maybe something that has to do with mystic ability or sorcery. It is a weapon for those who know how to use it because it is on this sky island, but for those who don't, it's not immediately obvious as such. Let's see. I rolled a 50 on the dot. So, you know what? I love that being right in the middle. It is technically, yes, conventional weapon, but it's so on the nose that I think that maybe it's not a sword. You know, we talked about how in the campaign creation portion of this and in Choosing Our Truths, we said that pirates and people swear their vows, their iron vows on iron swords. So those are the most traditional and typical weapons. There's obviously pistols and cannons and things like that now in the age of sail that we are in and airship travel. But I think this is maybe something like a spear or a, oh, you know, it'd be cool is like a boomerang. And the reason that the researcher has stopped here is because it is made of or incorporates a good amount of this sky iron in its design. 50-50, uh, 50 or less. Actually, let's say it's likely a spear because boomerang's kind of a weird one. So let's go with 75 or less. It's a spear. Higher than that, it's a boomerang. So it is a spear. However, as exciting as that is to Dine and the crew, it is not exciting to see another person here. And we did roll a weak hit, so I don't think we have successfully managed to stealth away. But let's leave it up to the rules. Let's face danger with shadow. Deception, stealth, or trickery. Here goes. 
A 5 plus 2 for a 7 versus a 9 and a 4 on the challenge dice. Nothing but weak hits tonight, folks. So on a weak hit with face danger, you succeed, but not without a cost. Make a suffer move, and I'm just going to lose one momentum because we've had to stop and wait this out. But now I'm thinking about this, and there's a lone researcher, and they have a pack animal. What does this pack animal look like? And for bringing it to a sky island, they are a group of researchers. It can't be this big bulky thing. I think maybe it's like a goat if there's a lot of jungles and craggy rocks and highland kind of features, then maybe they need something that has sure footing. So it's not like the biggest pack animal. And this researcher is alone. Now, behind the scenes, I did a little bit of just crew creating for the various ships of the Kairodi Dominion, the three major ships in case we go after one or have to deal with one. I can pick and say, okay, I know who is on this. And I also did the same for the research crew. Just getting ideas for like names, no real big stuff. But when I made the researchers, they're a crew. And in our little intro prologue scene for episode one, we did say that there were, you know, three or four of them and they were together on one of these sky islands when they had to blast their way through and they're doing their damage and research. But this one is alone. Maybe it's like an intern or research assistant. And I think that maybe Dine and crew overhear this research assistant talking to the goat as if the goat is listening and they're just kind of venting about their situation right now. And before we hear what they are saying, let's roll some more dice and find out about this character. There are character oracles in the back of the Sundered Isles materials here to kind of give you an idea about the character. So let's get a first look here, rolling 2d100 with cursed die. 29 not cursed is encumbered. Makes sense, right? They're carrying a ton of stuff. And 58 also not cursed, poised. So they are encumbered, but despite that, they are carrying themselves with a sort of self-respect and composure and poise that is impressive. But again, they come from an academic background. Clearly, uh, we're not going to roll for their identity because we already know there's some form of academic. What is their initial disposition, just in case? 32 is indifferent. It's on the edge of curious, so this makes sense. And I'm going to skip some of the accessories and stuff like that because that's mostly for seafarers or adventurers, and this is an academic, so we're going to see what happens here. They're not carrying any weapons that are immediately noticeable other than maybe like a dagger. Nothing very powerful, maybe a pistol, because they come from the Dominion. But let's roll to see what their goal is, something that we would know, but Dine and crew would not immediately know. And this, you roll, and you do roll a cursed die, so let's see. It is a cursed goal. Okay, oh boy. 65. Resist the call of a malevolent power. Whoa. Okay. All right, I know exactly what's going to happen now. All right. And we can reveal aspects as we talk to them, but I think that we hear them just start venting to this goat. When I signed up for this, I did not think I was going to be out here effectively defiling Sky Islands and installing these taps that are clearly doing something terrible. You can feel it, right? I thought I'd be out here in the reaches, see places I've never imagined before, have a chance to meet new people, discover new things, bring the great things that I love about home out here. 
tell people that the war's over. Change things for the better, you know? And instead they leave me here on this little island, have me running back and forth between all of these little stations, checking to see how potent the sky isotope loads are. Not what I imagined. And as they approach and see, I think that the spear is maybe stuck shaft first, so the spear tip is pointing up to the sky. There are like scarves and various tassels and cloths and things wrapped around near the spearhead. And it is stuck in the ground almost like it was a cairn or something, some place to give respects. And they come across it and we get the shot from behind Dine, Laulo, and Ephraim who are ducked behind some low shrubs in the jungle and they're watching as this Dominion, this Cairoti researcher is approaching it and they look at it and they they become transfixed and they say, when I first joined R&D and started learning about the benefits of Sky Iron, not only in weapon manufacturing, but in the physical effects it can have on a soldier when they swear a vow using Sky Iron, I knew we discovered something terrible. But I still don't even think they really know how terrible it is. And they begin approaching this spear. And I think it's a young woman, and I think that she stands before the spear and says, I can feel it. There's something more to this kind of iron. It's dangerous. And she reaches out to touch it, and something in Dine just tells him this is a bad idea. This is bad. She should not be touching this spear, not only out of reverence for why it's here and what that means to his culture and the mystic trials and sorcery, but it's all starting to come together. Something about what happened to iron out here during the cataclysm. It has effects on people. And he jumps out, and Lalo and Ephraim are too late to hold on to him, and they go, what are you doing? Are you crazy? And Dine jumps out from the brush and says, don't touch that. And I think this is a compel. When you try to persuade someone or make them an offer, envision your approach. And I think that this is not charming. This is not lying. This is threatening. This is just kind of being firm and saying, you don't want to do this. So not our best stat. We are rolling plus iron to convince this research assistant to stay away from this spear made of sky iron. Huge roll. Finally, a six plus one for a seven on the action die against a five and a three on the challenge dice for a strong hit. She is so caught off guard that we just jumped out of the jungle on this sky island. On a strong hit, they will do what you want or agree to your conditions, take plus one momentum. So thrown off guard, she takes a step back and reaches for her pistol, but she's so heavily encumbered that she's kind of fumbling for a second and Dine holds his hands up and is like, I'm not going to hurt you. I just don't want you to get hurt. And she looks back at him and says, I don't know who you are or what you think you're doing here, but you are trespassing into a restricted research area of the Cairoti Dominion. Laulo and Ephraim burst out from the brush as well, and Tamron emerges on Dine's shoulder, and he says, I'm not the one trespassing. These islands have been ours for generations. I don't want to fight you, but you can't keep us from these islands. There are things that I need to do, that my people need to do. 
And I think that this is way above the research assistant's pay grade. Let's see. With the strong hit on the compel, they are staying away from the spear. But how likely are they to go along with any of this as far as their position goes? And I think before Dine can respond, Laulo speaks up and says, We heard what you were saying about this research being bad for these islands. If you really think that, you'd be doing us a huge favor by letting us do what we've always done here and not interfering. And we could ask the Oracle here, you know, how they feel about this, but let's go ahead and roll two times on the revealed aspects table here to gain a deeper understanding of their nature and personality. And you do get to roll a cursed die. So this might give us an idea about how they'd react to this kind of situation. Ooh, a nine on the cursed die, almost cursed. 41 is grief stricken. Oh my God, that's perfect. And not cursed again with a 96, which is wary. So they are reluctant. They're wary to do anything. They're not sure they want to let these natives do things that could interfere with the research they're supposed to be doing here, but they are grief stricken about what they're doing here as a society, as a group of researchers. They understand the value of it, but at the same time, they've seen what the research into this has done. They've made their soldiers more capable, which only while allowing them to win the war does mean that they basically rule through military might, which most academics are not entirely keen on. They're not, that's not a great way to do things, right? You should be ruling with knowledge and sharing it. So the grief is strong. The wariness is strong. And I think that Dine is going to have to take action to prove something in the moment about why this is important to him and everyone here on the Isle of Istomavana and these islands in the reaches. And he steps forward and says, you said you felt it, something coming from this spear. I feel it too. Among my people, a small percentage of us can practice sorcerous arts. We call them mystics. When this war was going on, I avoided my responsibilities. I didn't go take my trials when I could. And now you're here, you and your researchers, and I cannot complete them. I need to visit the Sky Islands, and I need to find out what it means to use my powers. Please, let me show you." And the researcher narrows her eyes and says, "'You better not be thinking about using that spear on me.' And Dine smiles and says, "'I don't know how to use a spear, but I don't think that's what this is for.' And he reaches out to touch the spear, and while not the intention of this move, I kind of want to use the move Confront Chaos. Now, normally this is when an exploration of a waypoint uncovers something dreadful, but I think that Dine's procrastination in mastering his mystic arts, his sorcery, is going to result in his connection to this power being somewhat chaotic. And these are crazy results. These are not positive in any way. So. So maybe this is how the trials manifest themselves, as they present challenges 
to those who come to learn. And dying is so overdue that this kind of power, his just ambient strength as he's gotten older, he should have more and he doesn't, but the trial doesn't care. So he is going to deal with some tough stuff right now. So let's go ahead. It says, decide how many aspects, one, two, or three, because this is the first time I'm going to say it's one and roll that number of times on the aspects table below, then envision how the encounter begins. So Dine is doing this to prove that there's some kind of connection between the sorcerers of his people, like he is, and these relics, and these sky islands, and the sky iron, but he did not realize he was about to start an encounter and something, a challenge, something difficult. Let's see what our one aspect is. 98. Oh no. Wrathful beast of monstrous proportions. As Dine grabs the haft of this spear, the magic that flows in him flows through it like a conduit. And it looked like the haft of this spear was simply placed into the ground, but what it truly was was like almost a lightning rod. And upon grabbing the haft, the head of the spear, made of pure sky iron, begins to light up, and in the fog that is surrounding this sky island, a beam shoots to the skies, and the fog begins manifesting the bleak mists, and out of the bleak mists comes an elemental fury. And that's where we have to end this one. Oh no! Oh no! Well... This feels, this feels good. We still have such, oh, there's a little bit of political intrigue going on with the Dominion and Istomavana and the Resistance, and we could not forget that the Mystic Trials for Dine were holding something, and now the Sinosha Society has made its entrance, and they are not going to be happy <laughs> with what the crew of the Venture has brought to one of these islands. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I hope that you are enjoying this. I am loving my playthrough here of Sundered Isles. It is such a cool setting. You can do so much with it. And like I was saying earlier, I can't wait to hear people who have a better grasp of pirate and sail media who can do this in a way different way than I will. But I just hope that it is inspiring you to get excited about this game. It is going to be crowdfunding probably within a month of this episode going live or sometime around then. So keep your eyes peeled. I will keep you informed as I learn more and share as much as I can. If you like what I'm doing here, please rate and review the podcast on whatever you listen on. It goes a long way. I've been floored by the responses so far, and I hope that you continue to give me your support, give me your criticisms, talk to me, reach out to me on social medias, email me at rainyplaysgamespod at gmail.com. And also go check out the DMs After Dark, my crew that I stream with and are playing on Twitch. They are a live actual play stream and they also drop podcasts every week. They're not streaming. So there's a lot of backlog solo play of my stuff on there. And everything that we put out over there, I think, is really great and indicative of real game tables, real friends just playing games, not professional actors or anything like that. And we go over a lot of games. So if you're interested in some lesser known, smaller publisher indie RPGs, there's plenty for you to check out there. So 
Thank you again. And until next time, don't put off the important stuff. <laughs>